everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. In the sermon today, we are continuing this series in Revelation, looking at a shorter passage today, Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 to 19. And you might like to have that open and have a read of it even beforehand. And today we are thinking about history and how history is heading towards a goal, that it's not chaotic or random, but actually we're heading towards the kingdom of God. And that's what this passage describes. Just to remind you once again that there is more content available on the YouTube channel and there is a series on the Lord's Prayer which is going on at the moment which is uh, nearly coming to an end now. So do have a look on the YouTube channel if you're interested about that. And there are also other ways of supporting Understand the Bible. Uh, Particularly I appreciate if you would like to pray for Understand the Bible then you can do that and the link will be down below to help support or you can become a Patreon and give financially. So thanks so much everyone for your support. I hope that you enjoy the sermon and that it's edifying for you. And I'll see you again soon. I was uh, listening to a, well, a a podcast lately. I don't know if any of you are podcasters. Um, It's it's the, the, I say the latest thing. It's been going for a few years, but you know, listening to something online. And someone was talking about how they didn't believe in progress, which is that, Uh, That is to say, they thought, you know, things sort of came and went and that sometimes good things happened, sometimes bad things happened. But at the end of the day, there wasn't any real such thing as progress through history. You know, it was just a bit bit random and chaotic. And uh, you hear this view occasionally, but it it certainly rubs up against, I, I suppose, what most of us would would believe, which is that things are getting better. And that's what in this country and across most of, I think most of the world, certainly most of the Western world, that is the belief that things are going to improve and things are going to get better and better. So why is it that we have this idea of progress? Why is it that we have that, that belief and this particular person I was listening to didn't have that? And other, other countries around the world don't have that belief as well. This is what I think Revelation is, is helpful for, because it, it, it says that we are going somewhere, you know, that we are progressing somewhere. It's not all just, um, you know, just going on and going round and bad and things happen and good things happen and whatever. It's all chaotic, but we are going somewhere. And this, what we've just read, this Revelation chapter 11, 15 to 19, this is a picture of where we're going, if you like. This is the destination. This is, if you like, a picture of the end or a picture of the final judgment and then what happens. Now, one of the, uh, the confusing things about Revelation is that it will describe the same event several times in a different way and you'll get a different um, angle on it. And that's why I think some people, when they read Revelation, find it confusing. Because like, well, I read, I read this a few, a few chapters ago. Isn't this just the same thing? Which it is. But the idea is it's meant to give us different perspectives on it. It's, it's helping us to have a fully rounded uh, picture. And this is really an, in, an anticipation of what we're going to look at in a few weeks' time when we get right to the end of Revelation, which is the new creation. This is just a little, a little I don't know what you call it, um, but just before, before that, this is what we, we come to. So this is what the, um, the, the passage says. It's the seventh trumpet which, as you remember, we've had the, the seven um, seals 
and then that the seventh seal was something different. So again, we've had the six trumpets and the seventh trumpet now, it turns out, is actually the end. And, uh, and it's, it says that the loud voices in heaven say, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And it struck me uh, this, this week as I was preparing for this, that it's actually an answer to the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? It says, we pray every week, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. That's what we pray every week, um, perhaps every day, in the Lord's Prayer. And this is an answer to that prayer, isn't it? It is actually saying the kingdom of God is finally, it is there coming. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Because that's a, perhaps a question that you might be thinking what does it mean for there to be a kingdom of God? A kingdom is just a, if you like, it's a, a place with a king where people recognise that king. So it's, it's not just a, a place where there just happens to be a king, but actually where his reign is, is recognised by the, the people. And someone summarised it, um, a scholar called um, Graham Goldsworthy summarised it like this. The kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule. People, place and rule. And you can go through the whole Bible and look up those, those themes, which we won't go into now. But basically, uh, Jesus is the one who is the king, isn't he? So that's what he announced in the Gospels. He says, for example, right at the beginning, the very first thing he says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 15... Uh, he was proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God. And he is the king of the kingdom. And what that really means is that anyone who believes and trusts in the Lord Jesus for salvation is a member of the kingdom of God. That's what it means, that we belong to the kingdom by believing by trusting in Jesus. Now, the kingdom of God is, uh, you know, you might think in the kingdom of God everything is perfect and right because it's where Jesus is the king, it's where everything is, is perfect and there's no more sin, there's no more suffering or death or anything like that. So you might say, well, why then, if Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And if we're a member of the kingdom by believing in Jesus, why do we still experience sin, suffering, death, all of that? Which is a good question. And that's because uh, the kingdom of God, Jesus came to announce it. But it's not, it's not complete until this moment here in Revelation. And that's why... Uh, we have this vision here of the kingdom sort of completing. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord uh, and he will reign forever and ever. So it's describing the moment when it's fully realised. So you might think about it like this, that the kingdom of God at the moment is, is being built, but it's not complete yet. There's a, there was a chap who, um, a Spanish uh, chap, he was a former monk, um, and in um, 1963, he decided to build a cathedral. I think due to Ill, Ill health, he couldn't, 
be a monk anymore. So he decided just to build a cathedral. And he did it largely on his own. You know, local businesses and things um, supported him. They donated materials and he used scrap metals and he used bits and pieces. And that's, there's actually a documentary about this on, on YouTube. You can look it up. I think it's called The Madman and the Cathedral. And there's some video of, of what this cathedral looks like. It's not finished. But you can sort of see, as you look, you know, you can see the, the walls, you can see the, the grand kind of um, columns, you can see, you know, bits of the roof and the other things are finished. And, um, you know, the dome is, there's a, just a skeleton, a metal skeleton of the dome and, and so on. And um, you can see what it's going to be, but it's not finished yet. And I think that's a little bit like the kingdom of God at the moment. You know, that yes, it's, we can see a little bit of what it's going to be in us and, um, and in the world. We can see a bit of it, but it won't be finished yet. It's not finished yet until this moment that Revelation is describing, when it will be complete. And so the, uh, the, the uh, passage moves on, Joan moves on. The elders who we've seen uh, several times, the people of God, they fall down, they worship, and they say, we give thanks to you, um, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. The one who is and who was. Do you remember back at the start of Revelation, we had talked about God who is, uh, who was who, and who is and who is to come. It doesn't say who is to come here. And that's because this is talking about that moment when it's, it's complete, when the kingdom of God has come. And, um, and it says, you've begun to reign. So although God reigns now, it's reigning in a different way, isn't it? It's saying everything will be done according to, to God's will in a perfect way. You know, in that um, there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more evil, no more suffering, no more of that. And, um, and it says, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. Now, the nations don't get a say in the matter. Now, this is something which um, is very uh, reminiscent of uh, Psalm 2. Uh, you may remember Psalm 2. It says, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? You know, the kings of the earth rise up against the Lord and against his anointed one. And that's just what the nations have done all the way through history against God. They don't like God. They don't like Jesus. And they rise up against him. And uh, what, you know, we are living in a time in this country where it's very unusual through world history because you know, we do have a queen who professes faith in, in the Lord Jesus. But you know, in history, historical terms, that's quite unusual. I was... Um, just look, watching a, uh, a video yesterday about um, Marxism. And I mean, I don't know if you know much about Marxism, but you know, um, Karl Marx and, and the, the kind of the ideas that he, he spawned, it's, it is actually very anti-Christian, explicitly. You know, because they, in order to create this sort of utopia as he, he envisioned it, uh, you had to get rid of all the Judeo-Christian values, you had to get rid of God. And, and you saw that through many uh, countries and through the 20th century. Um, unfortunately, it was explicitly anti-Christian. And that's just what, this is just what the nations do. You know, they want to, they want to dethrone God. They want to, to get, get rid of him. But God 
God's patience will not last forever with them. And that's the thing. God's patience will not last forever. So the nations were angry and your wrath has come. And there will be judgment, it says. The time for judgment, uh, time has come for judging the dead. And that means rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small. I like that it includes the, the great and small. You know, it doesn't matter if you're uh, someone who's got lots of uh, a big following, you know, you're on, I don't know, on TV or you're a film star or something, or, or whether you're, you know, just a, you know, Jack who cleans the toilets or whatever. But actually, it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is faithfulness to God, faithfulness to Jesus. And, and actually each one will receive their reward in the judgment. But those who, uh, those who, it says, who destroy the earth will themselves receive destruction. Uh, those who destroy the earth. One of the things of, about uh, Revelation is the fact that the whole earth is, it belongs to God. You know, think about Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, you know, and all the people as well. So the whole earth belongs to God. So those who, who treat the earth as if it belongs to them, who think that you know, we have the power to do whatever we like with the world and not what God wants uh, with the world, uh, will receive their, their repayment in kind. It is, if you like, the punishment fitting the crime. Those who destroy the earth will be destroyed themselves. And I think, you know, these days we might think of, you know, environmentalism, you might think about care for the environment, which is important. But I think it's more than that uh, as well. It's about, you know, just, for example, government saying we don't like the way that God made marriage and, and men and women. So we're going to decide that we want to redefine that ourselves, taking it upon themselves to undo creation. And I think this, all, all of that um, sort of goes into it. So there will be a judgment. So let's, uh, let's draw a few conclusions. I think this is only a short passage, but I think it's quite a key one in Revelation. It just gives us a short glimpse of, of that final moment when the kingdom of God kind of finally arrives. I say a final moment. It will actually be a new beginning. And that's the lovely thing about it. And we'll come on to that. But uh, when we come to this moment when it's all fulfilled, if you like, everything, all the promises in the Bible are actually fulfilled. It is them. So what does this mean for us? It means that we are heading towards a goal, that history has a goal, and that goal is the kingdom of God. And what that means for us is that we should be living to, to prepare for that, living in such a way to prepare for God's kingdom. Now let me read you a few verses from Philippians chapter 3. Verses 18 to, uh, to 21. Uh, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, 
will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that's what Paul says, and that's what Revelation says, which is that you and I, you know, those who belong to the Lord Jesus, we belong to a different kingdom. And that means if you feel like you don't fit in in this world, then that's actually not a bad thing. If you feel like, you know, you see, I mean, at the moment it's Pride Month, you might have seen in the papers or on the TV, and you see all the, the celebration of things going on which we may consider immoral. And you think, I just, I can't, you know, this is not me. And you might look at that, but actually that's, that means that we don't belong to this kingdom, that's the kingdom of this world. Now we belong to another kingdom. You know, we belong to the kingdom of God which has different um, values and different, uh, a different way of doing things. And so it means that we will feel out of place in this kingdom, but that's okay. You know, we need to keep living in a way which shows God's kingdom. The second thing is that we need to, to remember that there will be a judgment. And I think it's an important, you know, we need to keep reminding ourselves of this because it's so easy, and I find this myself, it's so easy to forget that, isn't it? You know, just to live our lives as if there will be no judgment, as if, you know, we can just carry on and God is not going to come back and, and judge what's happening. And, um, and I think, you know, that the reason why God has given this to us is because he wants us to remember that, that actually it puts our lives into focus, isn't it? You know, remembering that whatever happens, there is a new kingdom and there will be a judgment as well for those who reject God. And that is something which, and also a reward for those who carry on with him. So that's something that we need to remember day by day. The third and final thing, and this is just the, an encouragement, is to remember that God hasn't left the ship without a captain. And I know that we've seen this several times throughout uh, Revelation as we've been looking over the past few weeks. But it's so easy, and you know, I mean, I mentioned the Pride Month um, a moment ago, but you know, so many things in the world at the moment, you might just turn on the TV, look at the news, and you just shake your head and think, goodness me, what is going on in the world? I feel like at this moment in history, there's perhaps more going on than there has been for a long time. You know, wars and famines and the cost of living crisis, and so many things. Remember that, God has not left the ship without a captain. And I'm just going to finish by reading you. Um, these are the words of John Owen. And this was um, not quite his last words, but this was the last letter that he wrote to a friend about two days before he died. John Owen was a pastor and a, a theologian from, um, well, he was actually from around near here, near Colchester. Um, he was a pastor out in Fordham and out in um, uh, I want to say Burkholt, that's not, no, Bewers, is it Bewers? Somewhere around there, anyway. Um, and he was, um, so fairly local, um, and he was, uh, back in the um, 17th century, he was a pastor to Oliver Cromwell uh, for a while, and he preached in Parliament and so on. But these were some of the last words that he wrote, and I think they're really appropriate. I am leaving the ship of the church in a storm, but while the great pilot is in it, the loss of a poor under rower will be inconsiderable. Think about that, the great pilot is still in, in the ship, isn't he? 
And uh, you think about when John Owen wrote these words and you know, how God has kept the church all the way through since the last three or 400 years. He's kept the church. But then he went on to say this, live and pray and hope and wait patiently and do not despair. The promise stands invincible that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If I had to pick up, pick words which summarise the book of Revelation, I think those would be good words to choose. And I'm just going to say these words again and finish with this. These are, I think, so good to remember. Live and pray and hope and wait patiently and do not despair. The promise stands invincible that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Message of Revelation. Let's, uh, let's pray as we, as we close. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this message of revelation. And we thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that it gives us and also for the challenge it gives us. As we look forward to the coming kingdom, when everything will be fulfilled, everything will be complete, and we will see that new world, that new kingdom, where Christ is the King, and Lord, we long for that to, to happen, Lord, as we look around at the world. But we pray that you would help us to live more and more as citizens of your kingdom and to proclaim that message so that many more people may enter into your kingdom, may come to you and uh, may be with you in that new creation. So please keep us steadfast. Please keep us hoping and trusting that you are still the captain of the ship and that you will not abandon us or forsake us. We thank you, Lord, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.